Greetings, and welcome to the Gospel Expedition, where we explore the Gospel from Genesis to Revelation. The Gospel is how Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It is through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that our sins are forgiven, because on the cross Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins, He took the punishment for our sins, and He paid the price. It is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that death was conquered, that the grave was overcome. It is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can confidently believe that we will go to heaven when we die, that we will rise again and live eternally in God's kingdom in his presence for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Every passage of Scripture sets this concept up, it explains the gospel, or it illustrates the gospel, foretells the gospel, or demonstrates the gospel. Every passage of scripture is tied to the gospel, which is why the great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said that when he studied a passage of scripture, he always made a beeline to the gospel. He always tied it in so that the scriptures never lost the message for him. Now, when we look at the gospel, the motivation behind the gospel is good. God loved us. That's his motivation. He loved us and he wanted to redeem us, to rescue us, to save us so that we could live with him in his kingdom forever. The motivation behind the gospel is good. And seeing that we know that God works all things to the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. And with that backdrop, we take ourselves into the story of Abraham. Now, Abraham was called out back in Genesis chapter 12 to follow the Lord to a country that the Lord would give him for an inheritance. And what God had in mind for Abraham was to give Abraham a homeland for an inheritance for his descendants, to give Abraham many descendants, which would become a great nation. And through that great nation, through his descendants would come the Christ who would redeem the entire world, who would redeem all of mankind through his sacrifice and through his resurrection. That's what God had in mind for Abraham. God intended good things for Abraham. But when we get to Genesis chapter 15, Abraham is worried and he is bothered. And let's take a look here. Genesis chapter 15 in verse 1. The Bible says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he, Abraham, he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham is worried. He has been called out. He has been taken to this place that God said he would give him for an inheritance. God has promised him a son and descendants who will become a great nation, yet Abraham is worried. 
Abraham is worried because along this journey, there has been a lot of adversity and there's a lot of adversity in our lives. And Abraham is looking forward to this promise that God has made. Yet Abraham is trying to figure out in his mind how this will happen because he's going to have a son and descendants. Yet Abraham has not had a child at this point. He is advanced in age, uh, well over 90 years old. He, his wife is beyond childbearing years, and in her childbearing years, she was unable to have children. And so Abraham hears God's promises, but his promises seem impossible. And to a certain degree, maybe God's promises seem impossible to us. The idea of life after death, the idea of the eternal peace and prosperity and goodness of the kingdom, what heaven must be like, can it really be that good? How is all this possible? And if God is so good, how come all these bad things happen in life and all these bad things happen in the world? Sometimes we can be troubled. Sometimes we can look at our situation in the world around us and we can find ourselves discouraged by what we see, and we can find ourselves worried just like Abraham was in this passage. And so what happens in Genesis chapter 15 is God sees the concerns of Abraham's heart. He sees his worry. He sees his apprehension. He also sees Abraham kind of spinning his wheels, trying to come up with an alternative solution to make God's plan happen. And so God comes to Abraham, and he tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, he said, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And from this, we learn just how good God is. We learn, first of all, that God is our shield. Secondly, we learn that our reward is great. And third, we learn that we access that reward and God's promises by faith. So let's talk about God being our shield. God told Abraham, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. God is our protector. You know, in this journey that Abraham has had to undergo, he has had to deal with opposition from the people in whom, whose land he was moving into. He had trouble with his herdsmen and with Lot's herdsmen. He had trouble with Lot. Lot is going to have some issues dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and Abraham has already had to rescue him from foreign kings. You know, so he's had to deal with military conflict. He's had to deal with, with stress from the inside. They've had to deal with famines, and Abraham actually had to pick up, or he actually picked up and moved to a foreign country at one time to try to escape a famine. Abraham has had to deal with some pretty intense adversity. Yet here we have God in Genesis chapter 15 reminding Abraham that I am your shield, I am your protector, I am the one who is going to take care of you. And from this we learn, because this concept is repeated many times throughout Scripture, from this we learn that God is our protector as well. He's our protector on an eternal stage. He is the protector of our souls. He is the one who saw our condemnation for sin and paid the price to rescue us from that sin. He is the one that inspired the writing of the Bible, the writing of the Gospels, so that we could see that salvation in print and come to know him more thoroughly, more fully, that our faith could be built. He is the one who sent the preachers, ministers, evangelists, and witnesses into our lives to teach us the gospel. He is our shield. He is 
our protector. He is our protector in spiritual matters for eternity, by the way. From, he's protecting us from eternal damnation, and he is protecting us from the condemnation that comes with sin. When you trust the Lord as your Savior, the Bible teaches that you're saved, and God will be the one who keeps you saved. Scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews that the Lord ever lives to make intercession for us. He is our advocate as well. He is our shield, our protector. He also protects us from evil. Now, sometimes bad things, many times, and sometimes more often than not, evil things do happen to us. But God is still our protector from evil because no matter what happens in this world, God makes sure that what happens in this world cannot harm our soul. He is our protector. God told Abraham, fear not, I am thy shield. He is our shield. He is our advocate. Everything that God does, he does for our own good. Again, Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says that we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Everything that God allows to come into our lives, he will use for good. And it's for our good, and it is for our transformation, our refining, the growth of our faith, in preparing us for the day that we enter into his hall on Judgment Day, and he is able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And you see this in how the Lord brings the gospel into our lives. All things work together for the good of those who love God, who are thee called according to his purpose. If you know the Lord is your Savior, you may be able to think back on certain people who were influential in your life, Maybe a grandparent, maybe a parent, an aunt or an uncle, a preacher, a Sunday school teacher, an evangelist, a co-worker, a friend. Someone ministered to you and influenced you in a powerful way. God brought that person into your life because he is working all things together for your good. He worked in your life to bring you to the point of repentance so that you would repent and believe and trust the gospel and be saved. All things working together for your good. God is your shield. He is your protector. And as we continue this life as saved people, things continue to happen in our lives. We experience things. We come into contact with different folks. And as that happens, what happens? We learn. We grow. We transform. God is our advocate. He continually works toward our betterment and works on our behalf. He is our shield, our protector, our advocate. And, he, and the Lord intercedes for us. The Lord Jesus Christ intercedes on our behalf. That's what Hebrews tells us in chapter 7, Hebrews 7.25, that he is able to save those to the uttermost who come unto God by him, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. God is our shield. He's our protector. He's our advocate. And the Lord is talking to Abram here in chapter 15, verse 1. He says, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. God is our reward. The ultimate destination of being in his kingdom and his presence and his eternal peace and prosperity. That's our reward. That's what we're looking forward to. That's the prize. That's what we're keeping our eyes on. That's what we desire. God told Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. God completed the gospel in order to bring us into heaven. That was the purpose of the gospel. That was the purpose of Christ on the cross. He didn't die on the cross to bring us healing in this time, although he does heal in this time. The ultimate goal was to heal us eternally, spiritually, in his kingdom. God completed the gospel to bring us into heaven, that heaven 
our reward is great. Eternal peace and prosperity in his presence. No more pain, no more heartaches, no more conflict, no more adversity, no more trauma, no more things to bring us more trauma. We will be completely healed and prosperous and at peace in his kingdom, in his presence, being able to commune and communicate and spend time with him. That's the eternal reward that we are looking forward to. It's not the golden mansions. It's not the golden streets. That's just decoration. Our great eternal reward is that peace and prosperity that comes from dwelling in God's presence in his kingdom, dwelling in God's presence in his kingdom. That is the reward, and it comes through the Lord. And so God tells Abraham, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Abraham here is looking at what God has told him. You're going to have a son. You're going to have descendants. They're going to be a great nation. Through this great nation and through your descendants will come the Messiah, the Christ, who will redeem the world. All the families of the earth will be blessed through him. This is what God is telling Abraham. God is telling Abraham about the kingdom. God is telling Abraham about the future. God is telling Abraham about his salvation and, and what that's going to bring. And Abraham is looking at this saying, if this is true, I have to have a son. I'm worried about this. God, how is this going to happen? How do I, what do I need to do next? And God's saying, hey, don't worry about it. Fear not. I am your exceeding great reward. I'm going to be the one to make this happen, Abraham. Don't you worry about it. Abraham, fear not, for I am your shield, and I am your exceedingly great reward. And God lays this out for Abraham. Abraham does not have to cut corners. Abraham does not have to adopt his servant as his son so that he can be the uh, heir of all things. Abraham is going to make a mistake with this. He's going to try to father a child with a handmaid. But Abraham did not have to do that and should not have done that. God was going to make this happen. And that's what God was putting in front of Abraham. Here is the future. Here is your hope. Here is your reward. Here is your salvation. Here is your redemption. And God said, I'm going to make it happen. And when God laid that case out in front of Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, the Bible tells us in verse 6, and he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. We access the reward that God gives us. We access God's reward, his promises, and his protection by faith. Abraham's faith was that when God spoke these words to him, he believed him. He believed the Lord. And that teaches us that not only is faith a righteous thing, but faith comes by believing, by trusting. Faith is defined as trust. And the Bible tells us that Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Not only is faith a righteous thing, there is no more righteous act than to trust the Lord. But God promises those who have faith that he will reward them. And God considers those who have faith as righteous people. And to have faith means that you believe God. That means you believe who he is. You believe in him. You have this deep-rooted trust and conviction of the truth. The conviction of the truth is being convicted, believing, trusting that God is who he says he is in the scriptures, and believing in the God of the Bible without adding our own characteristics that we want to add to him, that we want to impute to him, that we, 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 we don't try to remake him 
after our own culture or our own image or after something that makes sense to us. We trust the God of the Bible as he is expressed and as he is demonstrated in the Bible. That's the deep-rooted uh, conviction of the truth. The deep-rooted trust is taking God at his word and believing what God says. And that means trusting the Bible. And when the Bible gives us instructions, instructions of repentance and faith, instructions of trusting the Lord, of looking forward to the next world, and not being wrapped up in this world, and we trust that, we trust God's word, and we trust that we are going to heaven, not because we are great people in and of ourselves, but because Christ opened that door by clearing us of our sin and conquering death so that we can rise again. When we trust that, that is what faith is. And when we have that faith, we access God's reward. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God rewards, and faith means that you trust in that reward. Abraham, elderly gentleman, called to go to a foreign country that his descendants would inherit for a kingdom. And Abraham has no children, but God says, you're going to have a son. And through that son, the nations of the world, the kingdoms of the world, and the families of the world will all be blessed. That, that, uh, that descendant through whom that blessing would come through would be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Abraham is looking at all this, and it all seems so impossible, especially given the problems he has facing him that exact day. What we deal with in this life, looking at our problems day to day, our challenges, the political situation, the cultural situation, and your personal, emotional, financial, and spiritual situation, you may look at the promises of God and you may, it may seem far off, it may seem distant, and it may even seem impossible. God gives you the same words he gave Abraham. Fear not, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. As hard as it is to look beyond the struggles of the day, we must trust God and look through today's struggles at the end, which is his kingdom, when he sets everything right as it should be. And if you do that, if you look through today's issues at the end where God blesses and he's got his kingdom set up, that's faith. And it is that faith that God sees as righteousness. It is that faith that God rewards. Trust the Lord. This is the Gospel Expedition. I'm Leland Acker.